everybody. Welcome to an all-new episode of the Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast. This is the show that takes a deep dive into the world of 80s cartoons and just all of the glorious insanity therein. My name is Randy. I am your host on this show. And this week I'm alone. Uh, so of course that means we're going to take a little more of a different dive than we normally do into 80s cartoons. This week we're going to be doing a top list and we're doing a top five. Um, and of course, before we get into that, got to do our standard housekeeping procedure here. Of course, Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast is a production of Geek World Order. Go to geekworldorder.com for all the latest and greatest geeky content and media. We're on social media, folks. You can check us out on Facebook. Look up Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast and Geek World Order. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow both of those at Geek World Order. And of course, subscribe to the podcast on all of the major podcast providers. We're on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and Google and everywhere you can find. Anywhere you want to subscribe, just hit that icon. Of course, leave us a five-star review. Leave us the text rating because that helps the algorithms find out you know, it helps spread the show out and more people find us, more people listen. The more we engage and the more we learn what you people like about, you know, 80s cartoons. Send us some feedback, guys. We would love to hear from you. Uh, so today we are doing a top five list, as I said earlier. Uh, so this week, going to be digging back in a little more into the world of the Transformers. And for this one... Um, this is definitely a top list, but it's the bottom of the top. These are the top five Autobots that I, wow, cannot stand the most. And for many reasons, some of these characters are annoying. Some of them, they don't live up to their potential. And some, they, the things they do, they don't do as well as other characters do. So let's take a look here, and um, let's just get right into the list. Uh, so number five on our list is coming in as Grapple from Season 2. Uh, of course, Grapple transforms into a crane truck. He's um, most notably paired with Hoist when it comes to episodes where he's featured. They're part of the Autobots building team. Grapple specifically tends to be portrayed as an architect and a designer. And this man is a vanity personified. This man is so far up his own exhaust port. He's just annoying. And there are other characters that are super vain in the series, like Sunstreaker from Season 1, or Trax, who's also in Season 2. Um, they're, although Sunstreaker and Trax are more vain when it comes to their appearance and how shiny their paint jobs are, Grapple is more vain when it comes to his work and the pride he puts into it. But, unfortunately, his vanity is just annoying and really gets in the way. Probably the big episode that features him is his, uh, his breakout episode, the Master Builders, uh, where in which he designs 
He comes up with this grandiose scheme, this grandiose idea for a solar power collector. And it's a great idea. Obviously, the Autobots and Decepticons are waged in this battle for resources and materials because they're continuing their war and trying to help their home planet of Cybertron. Um, but after Grapple goes to Optimus Prime with his plans, Optimus rejects him. He doesn't want to build it because once you have that built, it's too tempting of a target for the Decepticons. And so, of course, Grapple is understandably disappointed but the episode takes a turn when the Constructicons show up and tell him that, you know, they're leaving the Decepticons. They're branching out on their own. They want to build things. They actually want to construct and not destruct. So Grapple falls for this hook, line, and sinker. They work together. He shares the plans. And they even build the solar, the solar power tower. And it's great. It's glorious. Then, of course, you know exactly where this is going. The Constructicons turn on him. And, of course, chaos ensues. The Decepticons try to, you know, make Energon cubes. The Autobots show up. Full fight ensues. And so Grapple is basically left off with egg on his face. And basically he had to learn the hard way that Optimus was right, and he shouldn't have built the solar power tower. Um, but yeah, no, unfortunately, his shining episode is not the greatest. It is not the greatest. And yeah, really, his G1 cartoon portrayal, not one I'm a fan of. So we're going to move on to number four on this list. And um, I'll give you a, just one little spoiler. The remainder of this list comes from season three. Because... These, the remainder of this list, oh, I have problems with all of them. Uh, but we're going to start surprisingly with one that a lot of people think usually goes higher on most people's list, but no. Coming in at number four, we have Wheelie. Oh, that's right, folks. The tiny little robot introduced in Transformers the movie. With just his, oh, ever-annoying lines of, oh, just the rhyming, oh, the cadence he speaks in, that rhyming. It's sort of like if Roadblock from G.I. Joe was turned into a kid's show and they stripped all the personality from him and gave him an annoying voice. Oh, this would be Wheelie. Wheelie is like everything that's wrong. Like, Roadblock, man, you love Roadblock. You love his swagger, his charisma. You love his weird rhyming talk. And it just works. Roadblock is awesome. Wheelie has none of that. Wheelie has no charisma. He has nothing. He's small kind of useless like oh i can't even remember any times where wheelie is really useful after the movie in being like you know okay he told the dinobots where cup and hot rod were basically 
That was about his main contributing factor, and from there, he's an Autobot. Oh, but yeah. And unfortunately, Wheelie's not alone. Because the problem with Wheelie is that he sort of comes as a package deal with Daniel, who is the most annoying human character in the entire Transformers franchise. So they really play some, like, dumb, almost buddy cop scenarios where basically everything they do just gets them, like, further into trouble. Probably the one that really sticks out the most is um, their trip to the Cybertron Central Archives to find out when Ultra Magnus was created. Because uh, they want to throw him a birthday party. Um, yeah, because, I mean, obviously at some point Ultra Magnus was created, but, oh, and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have some things to say about Ultra Magnus in a little bit here, but, you know, they, and basically everything they do gets them into trouble, they go to the archives, they, f they dig further into information, and basically it's just a whole series of unfortunate events. And... Really, most of Wheelie's media portrayals are not that great. Although, I do remember as a kid, there was like this story book that basically featured Wheelie as like this lone survivalist kind of jungle boy Tarzan kind of character. Like kind of like a prequel to his appearance in Transformers the movie. I know, for some reason, as a kid, I remember, and I don't remember the name of it as a problem, but this definitely was a, it was a weird book, and it was just so weird to read, because you're like, wait a minute, where is this thing? And I'm trying to look it up, because see if I can find it. Ah, there it is. Hold on, I'm actually looking up the name of it because... Ah, the Transformers, the story of Wheelie, the wild boy of Quintesson. And yeah, I very much remember having this book as a kid. And that's honestly is probably one of the best portrayals of Wheelie. Because it kind of puts him in a bit of a, a survival, like I said, a kind of a survivalist uh, Tarzan kind of mode. Basically predating his movie appearance. And it's very interesting. Oh, man. But yeah, other than that, Wheelie is super annoying. The rhyming is annoying. And really, who buddy. So yeah, that's why he comes in at the number four spot. And um, so now that we've got our first couple of entries on the list here, I'm going to take a quick commercial break, folks. So uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Decepticons are attacking our launch site. Where's Prime? He's on Cybertron. It's up to you, Ultra Magnus. Autobots, transform and mount up. When Ultra Magnus rolls, the action he takes on Decepticons. Magnus. As car carrier, he can transport four Autobots into battle. But once there, he transforms into my powerful Autobot commander. Transformers! 
The Transformers, each sold separately from Hasbro. Ultra the courageous Ultra Magnus is a born leader. We meet at last, Galvatron. And it will be the last time we meet. And Galvatron is Ultra Magnus' sworn enemy. Transformers. Galvatron transforms from laser cannon to fighting robot. And Ultra Magnus from huge car carrier to Autobot commander. Transformers. More than meets the eye. The Transformers, each sold separately from Hasbro. And more Autobots join Optimus Prime. Cup reminds me of the battle on Beta 4. Hot Rod. Watch my smoke. Blur. They see me. Now you don't. And these are the new Decepticons, the evil Cyclonus. I'm spying for a fight. And Scourge. No one escapes the sweet. But soon a new Autobot leader will arrive. Introducing Rodimus Prime. No one can take on the Decepticons like Rodimus Prime. The Transformers. The Transformers, each sold separately from Hasbro. What could be more terrifying than being Cup and Hot Rod stranded on an alien planet battling the merciless Sharktacons? Really, see? Find friends today! Spaceship destroyed by Decepticon Fire. Springer, the toughest of the Autobot triple changers, crash lands on planet Junkion. Hurry, hurry! Operators are standing by! No welcome way of hell stranger! The Transformers! Junkion Rekka transforms from motorcycle to robot. And Triple Changer Springer transforms from car to helicopter to robot. The Transformers! The Transformers, each sold separately from Hasbro. All right, and we are back, and we're continuing our list of the top five Autobots that I am not particularly a fan of here. And um, during my few minutes rambling about Wheelie, I mentioned that we were going to talk about Ultra Magnus a little bit later. Well, here we are, folks. Coming in at the number three entry for me is Ultra Magnus. Uh, basically introduced in Transformers the movie... He is a top-ranking Autobot officer. Uh, basically, at this point, he's basically Optimus Prime's right-hand man. He's basically second-in-command of the Autobots, uh, leading the Autobot forces at Autobot City while Prime is back on the moon bases on Cybertron. And, yeah, ends up being the one who's who Prime actually chooses to hand the Matrix to until Prime drops it. And then Hot Rod picks it up, and we have that, aww. You're like, oh yeah, he's the chosen one. And basically from there, Ultra Magnus kind of messes everything up. Um, gets hunted down by Galvatron. Is cracking under pressure. It's like, I mean, I get it. He's been thrust into the leadership position, but he's basically the city commander. You know, he's been in charge while while Optimus Prime is away and they're in the I mean I get there's a bit bit middle of an attack here but once the second shuttle appears to be destroyed the Ultra Magnus replies with I can't deal with that now like really 
you you can't deal with half of your shuttle fleet being destroyed in one t attack. You can't deal with the whole situation right now. And from there, basically, it's uh, not really... It just goes downhill for him until he's literally... Um, yeah, basically just destroyed by Galvatron and uh, his troops. Although in the comics, it's more brutal. It's basically how it runs in the comic adaptation of the movie is like the energy beams that the sweeps use. Um, they draw and quarter him, which is which really, I believe, was actually reanimated in the movie, which you can kind of understand is why, you know, like why his arms and legs are all scattered over the place because, yeah, he was ripped. He was literally ripped apart. I mean, it was done more of an explosion in the movie, probably to kind of keep the PG rating. But honestly, once they got into the series proper, where he's basically Rodimus Prime's second-in-command, honestly, most of his episodes, he's boring. He really comes off as, like, you know, boring, kind of a Captain America or Duke kind of character. They're just so boring. Like, oh, I don't know. He just seems like one of those guys who wants to see combat. You know, even when Prime was trying to hand the Matrix, he's like, but no, I'm just a soldier. That That's all I want to do. And really, they do play up on that. It's like, um, yeah, but that's basically your personality is soldier. You have, like, no really redeeming qualities or anything that... Nothing, man. Nothing. And that's why I just can't... I'm not a fan of Ultra Magnus. He's just boring. And then all the figures that were basically just Optimus Prime repaints. Because basically... Well, because that's how his original toy was. And then they adapted that into... Uh, I believe it was an IDW comic storyline. Oh, wow. This was like 15 years ago. And then they just kind of held on to that concept until, like, honestly, just recently. Um, but I did pick that... Oh, it was like one of the... One of the... Uh, seed... No, not Siege. Power of the Prime, Siege, one of those. There's been some great Ultra Magnus figures in the last couple of years, actually, so... Glad to see that, you know, we're moving away from that uh, Optimus Prime clone into legit Ultra Magnus figures that are that stand on their own. And it's really been happening mostly since Transformers animated. But no. So there is definitely some help there. But overall, just Ultra Magnus, you have no personality. You're boring. You are the Duke. You're the Captain America. Just, uh, you really don't have much of a personality beyond Soldier. So yeah, and also the fact that you can't deal with anything. Yeah, kind of knocks you down a few pages here. But let's move on to the number two spot. And, well, this is one that most people are going to have pretty high on this list. 
because he's a pretentious dick. And that is none other than Skylinks. Yes, the Autobots, uh, one of their main carriers basically serves as a carrier vehicle. He transforms into a shuttle, and he's got this cargo pod thing under him that turns into... I mean, the concept of Skylinks as, for toy purposes, amazing. You have a shuttle that turns into, like, his, you know, four-legged dinosaur with wings. But then the two have separate, and basically he becomes, like, this kind of awkward-looking pterodactyl thing. And then the bottom part with the legs converts to basically a lynx, this cat-like mode. And the two halves can act independently. So, functionality and toy-wise, absolute banger. Because, nah, I just picked up the uh, the Earthrise Skylinks figure, and, oh, that figure is worth every penny of the 80 bucks he costs. Absolutely worth it. But, uh, the main thing here that really knocks him down the list is just his pretentiousness. And whereas we've had characters like Sunstreaker and Trax who have their vanity in the fact that they're just, it's based on their looks. You know, like I said, how shiny their paint jobs are, whether they have scratches or not, making sure everything is buffed and detailed right. Or Grapple, who's very obsessed with his work. And when he creates something, he treats it like art. And it's just so... That's his thing. He puts his work out. And he goes, here's my work. It's gorgeous. But you wouldn't understand it. It's beyond your capability. Skylinks is um, apparently classified, we learn in the episode called... He's basically on the same level as the Dinobots, or the tapes that come from Soundwave and Blaster. Uh, like, the animal tapes. He's cons being his an animal mode transformer. Like, or the Predacons. Basically, he's on that level. But, compared to all of them, he is one of the smartest Autobots. And he constantly lets you know. There is not an episode where he appears that he does not remind you of his intelligence and the fact that he is able to use it and come up with plans and, you know, split into the right mode for a situation. Skylinks is that dickhead that will tell you Yes, I'm. I am smarter than you. Yeah, he's sort of the. Uh, he's sort of the MJF of the uh, Transformers community. Yeah, or you know, he's he's basically like an old style, or even like an old style '80s wrestling heel, who goes, "Ha! I beat you because I outsmarted you," and then proceeds to cut the promo about how smart he is. But Skylinks is a good guy. Ugh. Like, there are smart Autobot characters that will tell you they're smart. Perceptor will tell you he is smart. But Perceptor won't, you know, 
won't find the time to not shut up about it. Perceptor just kind of goes about and does his job. You know, he does the things he does. Occasionally, he can ramble a little bit when he's, you know, feeding information to Optimus Prime or Rodimus or whoever's in charge and needs data. But Perceptor still knows how to do his job. And he can usually cool it down. Um, Perceptor usually just wants to work. He's more humble about it. Skylinks is intelligent and completely braggadocious. So yeah, it's, it's so really that personality conflict I have with I have with Skylinks. That's why he's so high on this list. And now you're wondering, we've we've hit some of the heavy hitters of annoying Autobots, but who who is the one that just takes my top spot on this list well folks i will let you know in just a moment because as of course we have our lovely 80s tropes here we've got a nice little bit of excitement building a little bit of tension so let's take a commercial break folks so uh i will be back in just a moment and we'll go over the number one entry here Pinned down one time too many by Astro Train and Blitzwing, the Autobots build their own triple changers. Autobot triple changers battling the triple changers of the Decepticons. Triple changer Sandstorm transforms from dune buggy to copter to robot, and broadside transforms from carrier to jet to robot to fight Decepticon triple changer Octave, who transforms from tanker to jumbo jet to robot. Transformers! The Transformers from Hasbro. Only we have a military attack group like the Combatacons. We transform Combatacons and attack the new Autobot City. Autobots, this is our new city, Metroplex. It can transform into a battle station and then transform again into the gigantic Metroplex himself. But the Combaticons can combine to form Bruticus. Decepticons attack! Transform Metroplex! The Transformers! The Transformers from Hasbro. That's it, Crypticon, the new Decepticon City. It's enormous! That never stopped the Protectobots before. Transform Crypticon! The Transformers! The awesome new Decepticon City, Crypticon, can transform into an incredible battle station. Transform the Protectobots! But the Protectobots can transform into Defensor. But Crypticon can transform again into a dinosaur. Transformers! The Transformers, batteries not included, from Hasbro. You Decepticons can stand up to the Dinobots, but the Predacons can. The Predacons not only transform into robots, but into one gigantic robot, Predacine. Transformers, more than meets the eye. Transform the Predacons. The Transformers. Transformers, each sold separately from Hasbro. Look, it's Predaking! Hey, Grimlock think we in big trouble! Not to worry, here comes Skylink! Transformers, Make Skylinks, this ferocious motorized Autobot triple changes from Space Shuttle to Bird and Lynx, and then combines to form Skylinks. Predaking's attacking! The Transformers, batteries not included from Hasbro. 
counting down the top five Autobots that I just am not a fan of for various reasons. And so just to uh, recap the list here, number five came in at Grapple. Number four was Wheelie. Number three, Ultra Magnus. Number two, Skylinks. And for me, the number one, just Autobot that grinds my gears, is the... Uh, Third season Autobot Commander, Rodimus Prime, Hot Rod, whatever you want to call him. Either form he had. Just irritating. So, of course, Hot Rod was introduced in Transformers the movie. And basically, he's the young Padawan who eventually ass assumes leadership of the Autobots. He is Neo. He is the Chosen One. And man, is he annoying. Uh, of course, played in the movie by 80s teenage heartthrob Judd Nelson. And then um, uh, voiced in the season three by Dick Gautier, the actor who played Serpentor in G.I. Joe. Um, yeah. Rodimus Prime is a... Oh, he is annoying. There's a lot of, he makes a lot of mistakes. I get it. It's part of the storyline, but there's just something that, and it's very established. He's not Optimus Prime. He doesn't have the charisma of Optimus Prime. He doesn't have the skill, you know, the battle honed skill and just sharp decision-making process. Uh, Rodimus doubts himself. He consistently questions whether he can live up to Optimus Prime's glory or not. But at a certain point, it gets annoying. And honestly, it's really a story of so much potential. Because really, this they could have taken this story and really put it into better context. Because one of the breakout episodes for Rodimus Prime is the episode The Burden Hardest to Bear, uh, where in which he's, you know, questioning the leadership, questioning everything he does, questioning the war, and eventually he gets, you know, he runs off, he goes for a drive, and he gets confronted by a couple of the Stunticons and loses the Matrix of Leadership. And then ends up basically having to get it back from Scourge. And, you know, he goes through a self-process. He's like, you know, once he realizes he's hot rod again, he's like, hey, I'm free. I don't have to deal with this anymore. But basically comes to learn that he does indeed have to deal with that. And uh, for more information about that, go back in our archives. We've done the episode The Burn Hardest to Bear. We've reviewed it. You can get our thoughts there. But... 
One of my problems with this episode has always been its placement in the series. This is literally the episode before the return of Optimus Prime. So basically, there's a lot of character growth and building in this episode for Rodimus Prime, and it's great. It's fantastic. But rewatching the series in a, as an adult is good. Like this, that episode is great. But throughout the series, Rodimus Prime is always painted in the light of he's learning, but he's still not there. He's not Optimus Prime. He doesn't have the polish, the refinement. He just sort of barges in and does it and eventually gets the job done. The fact that the, the episode The Burden Hardest to Bear is so late in the series, it irritates me so much. Because honestly, you put that episode maybe about a third of the way through the season. Honestly, if you'd put that episode before Dark Awakening, the episode where you know Optimus Prime is basically made a zombie by the Quintessons, which we've reviewed that episode also, go back and listen to that one as well. I've made the point if you put, because really, if you had put the burden hardest to bear before uh, Dark Awakening, you would have had a really good story where Rodimus goes through the things, he realizes kind of what he has to do, and then he would have that confrontation with Optimus Prime, this, you know, the, the Optimus Prime that was zombified by the Quintessons, and then you go, oh, hey, we have this story here where it's like, okay, Rodimus gives the, you know, he loses the Matrix, then he has to f get it back. And then the next episode, he could try to give it back to Optimus Prime and then realize, no, no, this is mine. And it, it would just reinforce the things that would have done in The Burden Hardest to Bear. It just would have reinforced that fact. And yes, I understand that these cartoons are basically 30-minute toy commercials. But like I said, with Rodimus Prime, it's just a thing of so much disappointment so much lost potential, I guess, is to say the thing. That's the problem, is lost potential. And there's so much things they could have done very differently, very easily, to interweave a great story. They could have really had Rodimus Prime when become that great leader. And I think rereading a few of the episode order... Honestly, having Burden Hardest to Bear, then Dark Awakening, and then kind of the rest of the season where he kind of goes through different things and trials and would have made so much better. Would have made a good character arc, would have been perfection, but no. Honestly, my displeasure in Rodimus Prime is just the wasted potential here. I don't know. It's just sort of me. Um, wasting potential is always, or botching a story, that just, that for me, that puts the higher on the scale. Just, you know, the expectations were not met in this case. So for me, that is why Rodimus Prime is the Transformer that I really cannot stand the most.
Um, there we have it, folks. There is the top five Autobots that I am just not a fan of. Uh, thanks for listening. And, of course, check us out on social media. Subscribe to the podcast. And uh, we'll see you next time.